0: hi guys welcome back to my podcast today on Melon and girl podcast we'll be talking about black women and law enforcement or law in general i know that this is a very touchy slop topics especially in today's society where it's gonna be a lot of not trust with uh, police officers today due to the whole thing that's happened over the past year or two and over a couple of years that happened since then of certain incidents but uh i want to talk about certain cases involving black women and how they deal with uh law enforcement so let's get started today i'll be sharing with you the case or in the story of sandra Blum, a black woman in p- police brutality we have we have seen the footage the footage that shows Sandra Black' arrest through her perspective. The video recorded by Sandra, the Black woman who was found dead in a Texas jail following her arrest in a 2015 traffic stop, tells a different story than the one given by the state trooper who took her into custody on that infamous day four years ago. Officer Brian E. claimed during the investigation into Bland's death that he feared for his life when confronting her. Bland's cell phone footage showed former trooper E. to be a liar. The footage tells a story of police brutality and excessive force, a situation of Black women at a rate much higher than the amount of mainstream media attention given would suggest. The revelation of this video and the reemergence of Blant's Blount, of tragedy ordeal in police, police custody brings to light again. that needs to confront the often untold story of abuse, danger, and exploitation that Black women face against law enforcement within the criminal justice system. Sandra Black was a 28-year-old 28, 28 black woman who was found dead in a cell in Walters County, Texas on July 13, 2005, in apparent suicide. Sandra had been left in jail for three days due to her inability to gather the need, needed bail money. Some argue that since Sandra apparently took her own life, the officer beared no fault but looking into it as already known video evidence, and now the new footage is clear that of, that had officers in Chennai abused his authority and wrongly arrested, and she might be alive today. One isn't an expectation to the norm, as many black women experience a real fear of police harassment and arrest Trump o- or overly harshly charges. What started out as a minor traffic violation escalating officer in China forcibly removed black her vehicle after a series of back and forth verbal exchanges, demanding her she not record him with her phone, slamming her to the ground, and then handcuffing her face down. The video evidence shows heated words between the two, but no instance of Blanche striking the officer yet. Sandra was held in the county jail for three days on charges of insulting an officer. Not only this, but once she was taken to custody, she was given the proper supervision to ensure she was not dating to herself. Even though she stated in her potential paperwork upon being booked that she had had the suicide in the past and suffered from depression. Sandra was wronged on a number of levels by multiple actors by the arresting officer, the police department, and the county jail, and then later the mainstream media which reported on her death but failed to make a connection to the larger ISCO issue of how Bland was the one of many black women who had suffered at the hands of police brutality and how she would not be the last. And had been indicted for pre be juror for his false statements surrounding Blanche's arrest, eventually losing his job, and Blanche's mother was able to, sell, to settle a wrongful death lawsuit against the county jail and the police department. But the fact remains Blance isn't here with us today when she could have been, and there are many just like her whose names we may never know. Sandra wasn't the first one, wasn't the only one that year. In 2005 alone, at least six black women were killed by officers or died after encountering police. This includes my, May Hall, a black transgender woman killed by police on the outskirts of, of Baltimore. Alexand- Alexandria Christian, killed while she's being handcuffed in the back of a police cruiser. And Megan Hawk Day, a young mother of three, killed in her own home. Those are just a few names among the many who have lost their lives. This main treason and abuse that black women may face when it comes to police brutality also includes sexual violence. <coughs> Bless me. We saw this in the case of Daniel Hotzclaw, the former Oklahoma City the police officer charged with sexual assault and raping 13 black women. Hotzclaw played on poor, working-class black women with criminal records. He would give them an option of sexual abuse or jail time. Hotzclaw's strategy to target these, to target those he deemed that the most vulnerable in society—poor black women—is not a new tactic. It's been used against black women in the in this country since the time of channel slavery throughout the Jim Crow era and all the way to present. There was a time when black women were seen as unrapeable and no black person was allowed to testify against a white Christian in court. Sexual crimes against black women simply didn't legally exist. Being black and a woman put individuals in a position where the skin color made them target for racial injustice, while their gender made it so that the crime against them didn't get as much attention as their male counterparts. It still holds true today It is is a double-edged sword of living under a system that uses the tool of white supremacy and male supremacy to oppress and exploit. Black girls are 14% of the general population nationality, but 33.2% of the girls who are detained and commit in juvenile justice systems. African-American women are three times more likely to be in prison than a white woman. They are not individually isolated cases, but rather represent the criminalization of the most valued and exploited women in our society. This is one reason why, although it may no longer be a top-trending social media topic or attached to the latest viral video, the hashtag SayHerName campaign is more important more, is important more than ever. The SayHerName campaign is a social media movement that seeks to, wear, to raise awareness for black female victims of police brutality and anti-black violence in the U.S. The criminalization of black women isn't only demoralized that, to that group, but should be seen as an attack on working people as a whole. We seen that when black women are empowered, progress, and change happen, black women have one of the highest rates of voter turnouts when their percentage actually surpasses their share of the population in twenty in two thousand eight and twenty twelve. The group was a key factor in the blue wave that swept through the country during the twenty eighteen midterm elections. Black women have also historically been the, the most prone union with their demographics, the most likely to be union members. When black women are criminalized and their rights d de- Franchise is a blow to everyone struggling for life and liberty. Grasping the extent of criminalization and p- policing that black women experience is imperative for understanding the ways in which the criminal justice system exploits and abuses black people and people of color in general. It is worth studying and analyzing and finding back against. It is, of course, doesn't mean that the high rate in which black men and boys are killed at the hand of police should be ignored, but the story is incomplete if continued criminalization of black women is not included in the narrative as well. The insurers of black women, when it comes to report of state violence and, and police brutality, only stifles the fight against the, these black mm-hmm. injustices. And it also seems that it doesn't just stop there. Mainly, um, when the the mainstream um, say your name, when you get pulled pull over by the police, you're often told to put a copy of your driver's license and registration insurance on the dashboard. That we were told at my church, if a police ever stops you by, these are several tactics that Black men and boys and women have incorporated in their everyday lives. These are the precautions to take so that that summer play and fall tradition are not compromised by incidents with police. Black women, mothers, sisters, daughters, friends, and partners have offered to echo this advice and experienced the trauma that comes from giving these this advice for years. We have been giving ourselves some advice, however, and. Though the Black Lives Matter movement was started by three black women, we largely have been left out of the natural narrative on police violence. Police violence impacts black women and other women of color, just as they do black men. So sadly, we need to survive we need survival tactics for our teen girls, attending pool parties and girlfriends eating at Waffle House. We need advice on how to handle and with police that can quickly turn violent and even deadly. Black women like Shereen Lyles in Seattle was pregnant when killed by police. They were experiencing mental health crises like Shakira Ali in Georgia and Deborah Diner in New York. They were hanging out with friends like Rika Boy in Chicago. They may merely taken a wrong turn on driving like Mia Hall in Maryland and Marina Carey in Washington, D.C. and black girls like Aina Stanley Jones in Detroit are doing nothing more than sleeping when p- killed by police. They may must also consider other forms of police bond that impacts black women and women of color like sexual assault. Sexual abuse is the second most reported form of police misconduct after use of excessive force. This conviction of an Oklahoma City officer for rape and sexual assault of 13 black women represents some of the analytical evidence of how black women experience sexual violence by police. Police violence continues to happen to black women and girls. As Andrea Ritchie has stated before in an interview she did, black women mere present speech and protest of mistreatment are a threat that officers meet with physical, even deadly force. This must be acknowledged. This must be the part of the natural discourage. We need to understand to change the law, politics, and practice of the government policing. And those are just a few of the things that black women experience during these times. And also, how we must be aware and how we can stop ourselves or stop others from enduring the same fate that other black women have before us. I think, also, it has to stem from, like, the times in our history. But there has been some difference as a uh, first black woman to serve as a Virginia police officer, she says racist officer, forced her out. The first black woman to serve as a police chief in Virginia said Monday that she was forced to resign last week by a group of racist officers who opposed her efforts to change the culture of the Fort Mount Police Department. Former chief, Tanya D. Chapman, said in a statement that when she took the job in 2016, she knew about the public friction between city leaders and the external strife that exists between the community and the police department as a result of several officer-involved shootings. But she said those tensions should reach a boiling point when a former officer, Stephen Rankin, was convicted of voluntary manslaughter in August 2016. The connection with the death of the shooting, death of unarmed black teenager, William Chapman II, who was not related to the former chief, Mr. Rakeen was sentenced to two and a half years in prison and was released in November. After Mr. Rakeen's conviction, racial tension within the police department became blatantly apparent to her. Miss Chapman wrote in a statement that includes deeply her president of the small congregation of police department, which serves about which serves a city about ninety five thousand people in southern Virginia that according to census data is more than fifty two percent black. A spokesperson for the police department did not immediately respond to emergency seeking comments on Monday. Having been a member of two other law enforcement agencies, I've never been witness the degree of bias and acts of system racism racism, discriminatory practice, and abuse of authority in all my almost thirty years in law enforcement and public safety, Miss Chapman wrote. I am accurately aware of the difference in the officers' attitude and demeanor, therefore I was determined to change this culture. Efforts to reach Ms. Chapman on Mondays were unaccessible. In her statement, she said that most of the officers on the floor supported her reform efforts, but she also said she witnessed racism on the job that was so inflammatory that she declined to describe it publicly. Out of concern for public safety, she said she would share her recollections with the appropriate government entity, if called to do so. The former chief said she faced especially deep hostiles from members of highly-influenced fraternal organizations, which she declined to name her resistor efforts to change department. Her goal, as she stated, was to develop a highly ethical, high-performance organization that embraced diversity and treated everyone with respect and dignity, she wrote. Recently, she said, some of her opponents in that effort were dealt with in her accordance with the display of police of the Department Police Department. As with any organization, there were officers in the department did not like her style of leadership and did not want her to hold them accountable for further actions, she wrote. So, everyone did not like talking directly taking direction or talking from an african-american female Miss chapman said her tenures, years, ten years as police chief came to a broad end because her opponents on the force appeared to have succeeded in influencing city manager el pittis pat in the city's manager whom Miss chapman described in her statement as a mentor and a mother figure to me did not immediately respond to much message seeking comment on monday the former chief said she was summoned last week to doctor Patman's office where the city manager read her written statement that said she had lost the confidence of the police department. Miss Chapman said the city manager then threatened to fire her if she did not resign, which would allow her to collect two months of servants pay. Citizens Apartment, I asked you, Miss Chapman, if I had done anything to warrant my immediate dismissal, would I have been offered a servants? Dana wasn't a spokeswoman for the city department on Monday. We would not be providing any permission. This is a personal matter. The Police Association of Virginia declined to comment on Ms. Chapman on Monday, and the Southern States Police, the Lebanon Association, did not respond to message-seeking comment. Diana G. Sarter, the Executive Director of Virginia's Association of Chief of Police and Foundations, said the organization did not comment on the personal matter of individual police departments. And then she wrote another statement by email. All I can say is this. The public demands on police professionals, especially the chief of police, are extraordinary. And we are disappointed to hear the chief chairman departure from the apartment po- uh, Police Department. Now, with all that being said, even when you try to do the right thing and follow everything by the courts, there's always some force that always tries to keep you back. And in this case, with the first black female apartment, we still have a long way to go with how police women and men are viewed in society with all the incidents that are happening today in society and i just hope that with the tips i've given in this podcast today and the stories that i have told you today that we will take all these tips and advice and use this survival tactics so not many more black lives are taken whether that be boys men women girls teenagers and young adults today and i hope you enjoy my podcast today and i'll see you again for another melanin girl proud podcast and i hope you have a nice day and see you soon bye